Hi, I'm Dr. Gary Crotez. I'm the author of The Idea Mindset, host of the Unlock Moment podcast, and an executive coach to high-performing leaders around the world. Welcome to this Master Locksmith Masterclass here on The Unlock Moment. The Unlock Moment podcast is all about discovering remarkable clarity about the path ahead. In these Master Locksmith Masterclass episodes, I bring you expert insight, ideas, and exercises that you can put into practice straight away as you figure out your own path ahead. And it's all brought to life with real examples from some of my guests on the Unlock Moment podcast. Sit back, listen in, and see what you can take away and put into practice. Welcome to my Master Locksmith Masterclass. Hello, dear listener. In this Master Locksmith Masterclass, I'm going to bring to life a topic that shows up frequently in my interviews with guests on the Unlock Moment, and is going to help you find your own remarkable clarity about the path ahead. I'll give you my perspective and some tips and tricks on how you can put it into action. You'll also hear a number of extracts from conversations with my guests on the Unlock Moment, so you can hear how these topics show up in real people's stories of remarkable change. This Master Locksmith Masterclass is all about the subject of mental resilience. In my book, The Idea Mindset, week three of the journey is about preparing your mind and body for change. Here's an extract from the book. To change your life and fulfill your career dreams, you're going to need mental resilience. Resilience is a big part of your idea mindset. Are you ready to take action? Are you empowered to make change happen? Do you feel energized? When you need to, can you cope under pressure? You need a clear head and a healthy body to realize your full potential at work. We're not talking about running marathons here. Everyone's different. You'll know what you want to achieve to set yourself up for the future. Mental health and wellness have never been as high on the agenda as they are now. The prevalence of mental health issues and the positive impact that mental resilience can have on our happiness and ability to cope in difficult situations are being recognized now more than ever. Arianna Huffington, author and businesswoman, said, We're facing a stress and burnout epidemic, and people deeply want to change the way they work and live. Taking the first step is hard enough, but delivering on all your career goals requires commitment, motivation, perseverance, and resilience. You're on a difficult and challenging journey with plenty of uncertainty ahead and bends in the road to navigate. You need to be firing on all cylinders mentally to help you achieve your goals, even on a day when you're not feeling it. When Mildred and I were training for a big competition, we would be in the studio almost every night. Some days we felt inspired and motivated, other days not so much. Maybe we'd had a bad day at work. Often we had residual aches and pains from a hard training session earlier in the week. Sometimes things just didn't connect in the dance. Our bodies didn't coordinate perfectly, as we needed them to, for efficient movement around the floor. For years we struggled with how to process this feeling of not being able to deliver our best performance in each training session. One day our coach said to us, You don't have to achieve your best performance. Just come to the training session with one clear goal and deliver that. It might be to perfect a specific technical move. It might be to move as far as you possibly can across the floor. It might be to fill the largest volume of space with your two bodies. Find that micro goal and let go of everything else. It transformed our mindset and gave us resilience to deal with the difficult times. We delivered more in total by focusing on individual elements and letting go of the need to be perfect every time. Today, when I'm coaching a client, there are always lots of things I think I can be doing better. Noticing my client's emotional responses, creating more silence for them to think in, asking more thoughtful questions that take them into areas of new insight. At the start of each coaching session, I pick one area that I'm going to focus on developing. I'm aiming to continually improve how I can serve my client, but I don't beat myself up for not being perfect. Emery Austin, motivational speaker and breast cancer survivor, said, Some days there won't be a song in your heart. Sing anyway. 
By working on your mental well-being and resilience, you're setting yourself up to reach your career goals and crucially, make the changes stick. What is mental resilience? Simply put, mental resilience is about being able to cope under pressure. If you're accelerating, if you're changing direction, or if you're struggling against a headwind, you're under pressure. If you're a high achiever, then you might have created a lot of that pressure for yourself. There are six levers that can help you build stronger mental resilience, what I call the six Ps. Positivity, problem solving, perspective, personality, persistence, and partnering. The first of the six Ps is positivity. Positivity is about having a positive mental attitude and a positive relationship with others. By focusing on what we can change, our attitude and how we behave towards and around other people, and letting go of what is out of our control, we can put our energy to the best possible use. Of course, life isn't always about sunshine and rainbows, but look for the times when you have control over the narrative and make sure your self-talk and interactions are positive. Tony Robbins, author and coach, said, The past does not equal the future unless you live there. In episode 9 of The Unlock Moment, I talked to fashion entrepreneur Hayley Thomas, who used positivity to turn an extremely challenging situation, her husband's cancer diagnosis, into the motivation and drive they needed to start up their online fashion brand, Eleven Loves. So we're here because we're talking about unlock moments and, and these are these sort of flashes of clarity when you figure out the path ahead. So so talk me through what happened next for you. Mm. Um, so it was actually quite a, a negative, um, a, a big negative experience in my life that actually um, was my unlock moment. Um, so I'm um, married to Ben. We've been um, married for a long time. I never remember quite how many years, but a long time. He started to experience um, sort of various symptoms, went to the doctor. We had a lot of chewing and throwing with the doctor. Um, and actually looking back, they were all the, the symptoms that you'd associate um, with with cancer, with bowel cancer, but none of them were particularly taken seriously because he was 40 and fit and healthy on the surface. Um, to cut a long story short, it turns out it was actually bowel cancer. Um, we were told um, he, he was sent for a colonoscopy um, eventually and came out of that and we were told straight away that it looked like it was cancer, um, at which point things moved very quickly, I think because it had kind of been left for quite a long time despite you know, all of the symptoms. Um, and eventually we realized that it had spread. So it had spread past his bowel. It was um, in his lymph nodes. So it was stage three, effectively. Um, luckily, it hadn't spread further than that. But that was a huge turning point, I would say, um, in, obviously in his life, but in my life as well, seeing that happen to somebody that you love. Um, and I think at that point, my perspective on life changed completely. Um, and there were, you know, this, this idea of you know, there's always time um, completely changed because it really brought clarity to the fact that there's not always time. Um, and all of these things that you want to do, actually, you just need to get on and do them. There's never going to be a perfect moment to, to do whatever it is you want to do. Um, you know, she thought, right, I've just got to get on and do things. We both wanted to run a marathon and we also both ended up running a marathon the year after as well so, as he finished his treatment. So it was, you know, it wasn't just the business. There were other things that we wanted to do as well. But it made me think that I just needed to start something. Um, and, you know, the environment and the situation definitely didn't need to be perfect to do that. And it absolutely wasn't, you know, it, was, it was, couldn't have been less perfect in hindsight starting a, a business as you, were, you know, your husband's about to embark on a year of chemo and you've got two young children to look after and a lot of uncertainty. But actually I think that, yeah, as I say, that changed our perspective and just made me think I've just got to do something now. But Ben now is, 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 is okay, isn't he? Yeah, actually he's just had um, his five. So you, you get a sort of, you're closely monitored for five years afterwards. And um, just last week he had his final scan and um, was told he's effectively cured. Um, 
That's fantastic news. He'll always be kind of monitored probably a bit more closely than the average person. But yes, he's he's all well. Thank you. That's really good news. I mean, you know, you can't imagine a a more significant sort of uh, shot life event, particularly at that stage of life, you know, for for somebody that, as you say, is fit and well and 40 and sporty. Um, And so the two of you, I mean, you know, you starting a, a business of your own that that's that's not just a you decision that's a that's an that's a whole family decision mm. so how did you how did you talk about it together in terms of what that was going to mean for you do you know how how did that sort of follow through yeah i mean i think we i think the sense of we just need to get on and do things was so strong that all of the you know what does this actually mean in terms of the impact on the on the family wasn't really a consideration at the time and it's probably that's probably the only reason why we started it because actually if I think if I had thought through the impact um you know I I obviously it was a side hustle I had a day job so you know that's a lot of time um to spend on top of looking after two children um Ben is very involved um he has a day job as well he was going through treatment at the time but he was still packing parcels (laughs) and still does um you know so I think we didn't necessarily discuss the long term because I think discussing the long term had been always been the thing that stopped me just going for it and getting on with it um but yeah it it has had a big impact but a positive one I think I think it's nice for the the children to um yeah to see That was fashion entrepreneur Hayley Thomas talking about how positivity helped her to focus on the future in a difficult time. Hear more of that conversation in episode nine of The Unlock Moment. The second of the six Ps is problem solving. Problem solving is about shifting from a problem mindset to a solution mindset. Think about the times when things have been tough and all you could do was rage and grumble about how awful everything was, how it was broken, how it was someone else's fault, how mad you were about the whole situation. When those moments arise in the future, think about how you might be able to turn your inner thoughts to what you can do to make a difference, to improve the situation, and to find a solution. What's a common source of frustration for you that you could reframe more positively? Example. The people I work with are so frustrating. My plan is obviously the right way forward, and they don't get it. We need to get on with it. Becomes, I think I need to work harder on explaining my thinking to my colleagues. It's helpful sometimes when they make me slow down and consider the options more carefully. What's an example of a situation in the past where you didn't think you were going to be able to succeed, but you found a way through? What was the moment when you worked out how to move forward? What did you do? There's a famous quote I often tell my coaches. Every lock has a key. In episode 11 of The Unlock Moment, elite football coach Tony Wormsley, whose experience spans Manchester United, Sheffield United and Australia's Central Coast Mariners, explains how his natural curiosity and problem-solving mindset keeps him calm in a crisis. So we're playing at, at Sydney Football Stadium against one of the biggest clubs in the country, Sydney FC. It's a 44,000-seat stadium, maybe just less than half full or something like that. They had giant screens at the end of each ground. If you've ever been in a room where the TV's too big for the room that's in, it was sort of like that. Anyway, I've got a bunch of... The, 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 the squad at this stage was... There was a real toxic dressing room. It was very fragmented, so it was very. It was the most challenging time for me as as a coach in my experience. A lot of young kids playing. Had a goalie making his debut. Uh, no, sorry, goalie on the bench, eighteen years old, making his debut. Young kid in goal. Anyway, young players, not expected to win. Nobody's expecting us to win, but there's always a chance. It's a game of football. My family are in the crowd. Uh, they'd come over, which was wonderful. And they got to see my giant head on this giant screen and all, all of that kind of stuff. Anyway, we're 2-0 we're down after about 15 minutes. 
Then my goalkeeper gets red carded, so I'm putting an 18-year-old on for his debut to hopefully try and save a penalty, which he doesn't do. So they're 3-0 up after 20 minutes, and we're down to 10 men. And at that point, my massive head gets captured on this screen. And I, I remember, I can put myself back in that moment right now, and <laughs> I can actually remember what was going through my mind, which is, which is wow, like... A, how big are these screens? They are huge, and this could get really messy. Like this is it's, it. It maybe might not get worse any worse than this. This is what I was thinking of. So twenty minutes in. Anyway, the game plays out. I think we lost four one in the end, so it wasn't a bad result under the circumstances. But we went straight to live interview after after the game. I think we'd had sixty feet on the bounce. So. If, if you if you do follow football, or even if you don't, that can often be troubles brewing for the for the for the bloke in charge. So sometimes they would stick a set of headphones on you and you go straight to a live studio interview. So no problem. Yeah, ready to go. Put the headphones on. Microphone in your face. Uh, Tony, it's Mark Bosnich, ex Chelsea goalkeeper, Australian goalkeeper. Um, don't you think it's time you? Res- you resigned. That was the first question. And th- this was the, the, this is this moment that, that we're here to talk about. My immediate, uh, my awareness went to, um, I need to answer the question. What a fascinating question. I couldn't make assumptions about the agenda or where it was coming from. Um, So I answered the question. I answered the question, no, and here's the reason why. And the follow-up question was, can you tell me where, this was the second uh, studio pundit, can you tell me where the team's improved in the last few weeks? And I said, well, if you've been following us for the last few weeks, You've seen we haven't improved a great deal. However, here's what we're doing. Here's the direction we're going. So I was future-focused, answered the questions honestly, but in a state of absolute calm and presence and curiosity about who are these guys and why would they be asking me these questions? Now, what the breakthrough moment for me was in sharing this story with a former colleague of mine who's, a, a, I would consider him a world-class coach, an outstanding coach, not a football coach, a, a coach coach, if you like, a people coach. Um, he he spoke to me about how he loved my fascination and he explained to me that you can't be stressed and curious at the same time. You can't occupy the two states at the same time. So then I go, okay, that explain that to me. So he explained it. We talked about me looking at the screen, seeing myself on the screen and the fascination that goes with that. And and, and I think about how I've related some of these stories to you today, how my trip to that first trip to Tasmania was full of curiosity, open-mindedness, and fascination about wow i'm a i'm a coach flying halfway around the world to, to do this thing so when i'm in that headspace there's no possible way that i can be concerned about what that means what the implications are what the pitfalls might be and it's such a fantastic explanation for me to recognize that throughout this um, career that I've had and continue to have, I've had a non-anxious presence. I can walk into the most conflicted situation and people have fed back to me that you just put everybody at ease. You have, um, they've used terms like you've got, you've had an aura about you. you, you um, and I've felt that myself sometimes. I know that I'm calm when there's chaos going on around. I actually 
driving chaos because I'm curious about it. I'm, 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 I'm seeing people explode and, and, and things falling apart. And I'm, I just feel that, that it's okay. And that, that's, there's been an, an innateness to that throughout my life, personal life, career. You know, I go back to situations, you know, early in life when I became that, 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 that father figure, there was that, it was like the go-to guy to be, to, to smooth things over, to, to help things out. I go to my career in rail where I was finding myself between an irate customer and, 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 an op, and a subject matter expert who was really angry about, about this thing. It was like, well, what is that? And and that, that ability to stay curious def, by nature diffuses any anxiety that I might be feeling. That doesn't mean I don't feel it, but I don't feel it at the same time. That was the former coach of the Central Coast Mariners Football Club, Tony Wormsley, talking about how his natural curiosity and problem-solving mindset makes him the calmest person in the room when under pressure. Hear more of that conversation in episode 11 of The Unlock Moment. The third of the six Ps is perspective. How many times recently have you become frustrated at something that wasn't actually that big a deal? Having a short fuse when you're stressed and tired means it doesn't take much to send you over the edge. From time to time, carve out a little time in your diary and go out for a walk somewhere you like that inspires you. For the duration of that walk, park all the stressful stuff you're dealing with and look to the future. Imagine your life in a few months or a year's time when you're further along the path to your ideal work setup. What are you looking forward to? What's going to feel different? When you get back from your walk, grab a piece of paper and write down two or three phrases that encapsulate your hopes for the future. Put that piece of paper in an envelope and store it in your bedside table or your desk so you can check back on it when everything's getting on top of you. Painter Henri Matisse said, there are always flowers for those who want to see them. In episode 16 of The Unlock Moment, I talked to author, podcaster and serial entrepreneur Patrick McGuinness about how he recovered his perspective after losing his job in the financial crash of 2008. Well, you know, best laid plans. Uh, what happened was <laughs> I was wrong. I had uh, I had a mini version of this when I went off to business school. I had been working at the private equity group of J.P. Morgan, and then when I was in school, basically they dismantled the group, and I couldn't. I thought I assumed I'd just go back and work there, and they were like, no. And so um, I had I had to reinvent myself, and I remember at the time just was, I had a real kind of a hard time getting a job out of business school because I had a very specific experience set, which was private equity in Latin America. And people were like, you know, that was out of fashion and they were like, you're American anyway. So it was really tough. And then I got this job at uh, AIG Capital Partners doing private equity. And I was, you know, a very cool part of AIG. AIG was like top 20 biggest companies in the world. I was like, this is great. Well, unfortunately, anybody who remembers the financial crisis in 2008 would recall that AIG was the um, was the sort of the most spectacular of all of the terrible things that happened. It just blew up in spectacular fashion. I had shares in the company that fell 97%. Uh, and my career blew up and it was sort of like, not only did my company just blow up, but you know, it was like a very um, controversial place that people thought we were immoral and stuff like that. So I saw this, I had taken the right path, you know, that I thought was the safe path. I had done all the, the things you're supposed to do. Like I had gone to Harvard Business School, which, you know, I'd never even dreamed of, but I did it. And I thought, well, you know, at least I'm going to be, you know, reasonably successful here, you know, because like it's, it's a great institution. And instead I ended up in a very bad place, very unhappy, um, not physically unwell. And, you know, everything I had put my faith in I realized was a lie and I was completely cynical at that point. So it really challenged some fundamental beliefs that you'd had for a long time. It was like learning there's no there's no Easter bunny or something where like when you're a kid, sorry if anybody's children are listening, um, by the way, uh, but 
but it's sort of like you learn that and you're like, but wait a minute, I the I left candy and the Easter bunny. I, I when I was a kid, I took the Easter bunny's cup that he drank out of, or she. I don't want to gender the bunny. And I put a piece of tape that said the Easter bunny drank out of this and I displayed it in our home. So when I found out, like my 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 faith was shattered and I was like, you know, I didn't want to leave anything for the bunny anymore. The same thing happened with capitalism and the business world. I was like, I did, I played by your rules and I ended up getting tossed aside and I don't want this anymore. And how did that leave you feeling? Well, <laughs> quite angry in the beginning, frankly. Uh, I was very angry. I felt despair. Uh, I felt uh, probably myself for believing. Um, I was angry with the people I worked for, for failing me and not being leaders and providing zero. They just weren't present. Um, you know, when companies blow up, everybody runs for cover and hides. And I saw that it was like, so I felt a lot of resentment towards the, the people who didn't sort of fix the problem, not understanding that they too were, you know, completely at a loss of what to do. Uh, and myself, I think for just, you know, for what I didn't realize at the time, or I guess maybe I realized, but now I see it so clearly is that I had decided to take a path that really wasn't going to be the best path for me. I would have never been great at that. Um, I would have been good, but I wouldn't have been great. I wouldn't have been truly happy. Um, I was chasing the wrong things. And now that I have sort of switched everything around and done it the other way, I recognize like what a difference that is in just your daily like mindset and how you feel. Um, but I wasn't there yet. I was just angry and frustrated and lost. And it's really common that when people are faced in with extraordinary change, unexpected change, that to build to a more positive future and a positive outcome, it can be almost inevitable that you kind of have to go through that dip that is anger, frustration, despair, guilt, hostility often. Um, and you've got to start to rebuild. So when you were going through that curve, what what was the point when you started to feel like you're bottoming out and starting to build for the future? What, what was that? Yeah, that's a great question because it's true what you say. I, I think you just nailed it, which is that like so few people make big change without having to get smacked on the face. You just don't because the status quo is more comfortable, right? And I know that sounds obvious, but think about it. It's so true. And so um, you need to have this hero's journey or whatever to get to the other side. And I think for me, as I think back on this, boy, it's like, this is like traumatizing me as I think about it because it was so difficult. For me, I got really sick. And so I was literally, I had blurry vision for six months. I had night sweats. I was all, there was something wrong with They never figured it out. It was stress related. But I remember um, <laughs> I was in London. My best friend and I went to London for New Year's and he was a real support for me at the time. I'm still so thankful for that. And I remember he was trying to help me with some work and I couldn't read the contract because my vision was so blurry. And I just thought like, this is awful. And I had a couple months of that. I had four, five, six months of that feeling. And then I decided I had to really pull things together and that meant getting healthy physically healthy. And so I made a bunch of changes. And um, and then I went on this trip to India. And I, my friend was getting married. And I wasn't going to go. But I was like, I need to get, I need to go somewhere. I need to get out of here. And I went. And I, when I left on that plane, I remember I was really sick. And I got there. And it was um, right after the Taj was bombed, was was attacked by the by the terrorists. And I stayed there. Because I just thought that I was, you know, I admire the the Taj company and the founder, Tad Ratan Tata. I've always admired this company. And I was like, I'm going to go there and I'm going to be there. I'm going to spend my dollars in their hotel because, they, you know, they need people like me to do that. And I got there and it was all, it smelled like a, a fire and um, still. And I, and I went outside because I couldn't sleep and I walked around the neighborhood and I saw all these, you know, India at night, many children sleeping on the street. 
And I mean, it was everywhere. And I just thought to myself, like, man, my problems are not that bad. You know, they just aren't. And these kids are sleeping outside and this hotel got attacked and people died. And yeah, so I lost my job and, you know, I didn't lose my job, but my job lost me or whatever. And I hate it and I'm miserable. But like, this is not the end of the road for me. I have so many opportunities. And so that was it. I, I mean, it sounds so like I wrote it like a screenplay or something, but I swear to God, maybe that's just how I remember it. But I remember what's crazy is I went to that wedding. I had a wonderful time. I got off the plane when I came back to the US and I noticed something, which is my vision was back and I felt healthy again. And it was like, it was insane. I just was like, wow, I, I, like, I feel like me again. And that was the beginning of the next phase of all the things that I've done. That was Patrick McGuinness, author, podcaster, and serial investor, talking about how finding perspective helped him to get back on track after a major career crisis. Hear more of that conversation in episode 16 of The Unlock Moment. The fourth of the six Ps is personality. You have to know yourself to build your mental resilience. Every day, work on bringing your awareness to how you're thinking and feeling particularly in moments of intensity. Notice how your manner and behavior shifts and how your body responds physically to different situations. Understand what triggers you. Try to think about the first thing that sets you off. Reflect on the environment you're in when it happens. What happened before to make you react in this way today? What else is going on for you today? The better you know yourself, the better you're able to first preempt, then control your emotions and behaviors in challenging situations. This is a powerful skill, and it's at the heart of the idea mindset. Nelson Mandela said, learn to know yourself, to search realistically and regularly the processes of your own mind and feelings. In episode 12 of The Unlock Moment, I talked to DJ and stylist of the stars, Alexis Knox, for whom the pandemic caused her whole business to dry up. It caused her to really look inside herself to understand her emotions, her triggers, her strengths. In building your mental resilience, this is about understanding your personality. And in doing so, it helped Alexis to find perspective, get on top of how she was feeling and build a plan for the future. I mean, I, I know that you've you've got a copy of of the Idea Mindset book, and in the book, I, yes, I have. Yeah, and in the book, I, I I pick up on a you know widely used framework, which is around the emotional journey of change, um, and this idea that sometimes to get to a more positive place in the medium term or the longer term, it's almost inevitable that you'll probably go through a dip first, because you know, as as you're describing, that's the first experience of lockdown for you in in terms of the you know the impact on your your business and your life was 18 months of 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 clarity and and, and bookings ahead of knowing what you were going to do and all the things that you built up all those years disappeared and you've just got this void to sort of drop into so you know did you did you feel yourself going through a a, a dip in in that you know an emotional dip in in the earlier stages of the pandemic oh my god were there tears yes were there tantrums? Yes, it was like um, a battle. You, you, you have those moments. You have that realization. And in one day, you're like, yes, I've got this clarity. I realize. And then the next day, you wake up and maybe your ego's coming into play. And you're like, no, but, you know, damn you. I, I was this. I'm going to be this. And I don't need this. And, and you, it's like a battle within you of, like, these two identities. And it's like... Am I the horse? Or am I the horse rider? Which one am I? I don't know. And and you realize you're kind of both. You really are. You're just one unit. You 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 have this like everyone has a sense of ego which drives you forward and, and really values the external. And then you have that may, maybe be it your soul or your sense of identity, which is the internal fundamental knowing. I fundamentally knew it was going to be okay and everything was fine and I was blessed and it would be good, but the fear and the externals and, and yeah, it, it was really, 
I mean, God bless my partner. He was so um, calm throughout it and just a great listener and uh, and very um, what I needed. Like, what can we do? What do we need to do? What can we take control of? What problems can we fix? Because that's how I roll. I'm a, I'm a problem fixer. And when <laughs> the problems that you say your ego is looking at are global, it's very hard to then be like, realizing that there are smaller variations and controllables in your day-to-day which can stabilize you and that's where I started to be like right well I need a new routine I need new goals I need to shrink everything down and I began to just try and live everything week to week my my life I still I I don't believe that we can necessarily fundamentally change who we have are born to be or have been groomed to be through our programming and parenting or life experience but you can shift or reapply that mentality so for me being someone who is goal-based and structure-based if I could shrink that down to instead of 18 months one week I could get control over something which was happening to everyone in the world which was so hard to feel you to not feel like a victim and sometimes to be frank, feel sorry for yourself, which was never something I really had experienced. And I was like, what is this coming out of me? You know, um, why do I feel sorry for myself? I have zero reason. You know, I remember having these conversations with my friends where I felt so guilty for the emotions I was feeling. And they were like, yeah, but you're human. You know, like we all have to feel these things, but we just got to get it in some kind of contextualization and, and format that you recognize and, and, and you can program so yeah living life a week to week definitely gave me an ability to sort of get control I think anxiety from my experience will you know rear its ugly head when you feel out of control when you feel threatened by a situation where you don't know an answer or you don't know the values or the the quantity of a situation and you feel overwhelmed and consumed. And there were times I felt so anxious. I thought, no, I'm not having this. I'm not letting anxiety take over me. I am. That is one thing I was like, nah, pardon my French. I'll make anxiety my bitch. This is no, I'm not, you know, I'm not making that happen. So I definitely turned to audible books and self-development and really going inside because I couldn't really do tons externally everybody was doing you know like oh do online and do dj sets and da da da. and i'm just not that person to be honest i'm an in real world energy i need people you know people are my batteries and so yes i could i could do it and i I love insta stories and stuff it it didn't give me the fuel i really needed so i thought you know what let's just go inside and just start from scratch That was DJ and stylist to the stars, Alexis Knox, talking about how focusing on her personality, her emotions and her needs helped her to take control and ownership of her path when the world around her was in chaos. Hear more of that conversation in episode 12 of The Unlock Moment. The fifth of the six Ps is persistence. Making change happen is tough. Sometimes things don't go your way. It's important not to get blown off course by the first sign of crosswinds. Persistence helps you to keep pushing for the summit, even when it's hard. You get better at it with practice. Long-distance runners talk about practicing spending time close to their physical limit so that it becomes familiar and not a feeling that makes them quit. On the other hand, you also need to recognize your limits. If you're finding that you're struggling and can't see a way out, either of a specific situation or a negative headspace, or you're in over your head, don't ignore it. Stop. Take a breath. Ask for help. The long-distance runner will stop if there's a risk of a significant injury. Think of a time recently when you almost gave up. What caused you to falter? And what helped you to push on through? J.K. Rowling, author of Harry Potter, said, We do not need magic to transform our world. We carry all the power we need inside ourselves already. In episode two of The Unlock Moment, Hollywood actor and producer Marietta Melrose brought to life her persistence when dealing with the challenges of an industry where you hear no 
so much more often than when you hear yes. In focusing on the opportunities, she turned what could have been negative spirals into positive ones, taking control of the situation and leaning into her strengths. What does that experience and the way you handled it tell you about yourself? That I am a survivor and no matter what people say, I push through. If the thing is right for me, you know, I I, I do have a lot of crazy Hollywood stories, like one of the managers I met on that trip that was supposed to sponsor my O-1 visa in the midst of us working together, he told me he was a vampire and needed to bite me to turn me into an empowered actress in the audition room. And that was an experience which I had with a person I trusted that could handle my career at the time. So again, it, it might sound like comedy right now, but at the time I was like, I just, what am I doing? I'm in this unfamiliar place with people I don't know, with no ability to stay here, with a vampire manager. What am I doing? <laughs> but I also had a sensor of when something doesn't feel right. And if it doesn't feel right, I would just shift and find the right person who can help me and always ask for help. I feel like it was really uncomfortable and I felt really shy to do that because I'm so self-reliant and self-sufficient. But at the time, I had no other choice. So I had to connect with creators and ask them for potential contracts because that's part of the visa process. You need to have work lined up here and just introduce myself and let them know that I'm really excited to work with them or be however way incorporated in their productions. And that's something that I had to do, even though it was uncomfortable. And I feel like people really have a hard time asking for help. But generally, when we meet people and we ask them for something, you know, the worst, worst case scenario is you can hear a no. But if you don't ask, you're not even going to know if it's a no or a yes. So at the time I kept asking and I kept being curious and and see how I can be of help to others as well. It wasn't a one-way street. I always wanted it to be a win-win situation for the person that's helping me. And people recognize that. People know what it's like to come to LA because most people in LA are coming from somewhere else. So they want to help. These, these two elements of your personality that shine through, there's the one that is the creative, the dreamer, the believer. And there's this other one that is like driven, gritty, punchy, uh, and not willing to give up and not willing to hear no. And it's it's interesting to hear how those two play through because, you know, the persona you described when you were in drama school and you were the, you were the person that came in in the morning with all the positivity, um, and the person you're describing who establishes yourself with no grounding, with no foundation in LA and, and you're, you're committed to staying, but you've got to work out a way to do it. Those are two very different sides of your personality that, that you play in different circumstances. Yes. And a lot of people, that's why I also say I'm an advocate for actors because a lot of actors would try and stay in LA. They would hear a couple of no's and they would go back there might be actors from Australia or Europe. And I want to help those people. I want to help them believe that it is possible, not just for actors, any creative, it could be, um, you know, it could even be a dentist. It's, it's, it's a similar process. That's really difficult. I have friends of mine and, and my friend is a psychologist and her partner is a dentist and they're now going through the same process, figuring it out. And me having been through that, I help them on their journey as well with the belief and knowing that it is possible. So that's why I'm also, I am so grateful for being on this podcast to share that journey that it is possible. The underlying current in all of this is it is possible if that's the right place for you. If you want to do it for your career, for love or whatever reason it is to move to America, it is possible no matter what people say. And so you've been in, in LA now for, for a few years and, and you've advanced out from just acting to also acting and producing. So when you look back over the last year, and as you say, I mean, it's been a very difficult time in the pandemic for, for actors, for sure. 
Um, but you've also been producing some of your own short films too. Um, how how is your identity shifting um, as as you're developing your career in LA? We see it now with a lot of actors. Uh, Reese Witherspoon, she has her own production company, Oprah Winfrey, the legacy that she's created over the years. There's this sense of actors want to create their own work and want to be empowered and and that's what I want to do. I I just I can't wait for constant permission to be given to to do to, to do what I want to do. Um and I find a sense of relief but also creativity when I'm creating the stories that I want to tell. How do I want to change the narrative in people's lives or what do I have to bring to the table as a storyteller? Um, and so it's it's a very empowering experience. It was again, it was really hard because I ranked up a ton of credit card debt in the process of creating my own work, but I did it and it was rewarded. It, we did really well um, in festivals. I had an amazing cast of talented people that jumped into it and did it. And now in the next stage in the process is after the festivals is sending it to people so that, again, reaching out, seeing who believes in my vision and who would be the person that I can continue creating with. Um, I think that, again, as creatives and artists, it's really hard to build strategy that's healthy and and doing that kind of business-oriented work every day. But in order to get it done, vision is not enough. You have to have a purpose and strategy. And that's something that I was reminded in the idea mindset in the book, something to go back to, because it gets really difficult when you keep hearing no, or, oh, that project is not right for my portfolio right now. It can get really crushing and difficult, but also um, it's really empowering when you get those yeses. So that's why in my bio, I put in continuously, you know, changing no to a yes, because I am the only person who can do it. I can't wait uh, for other people to give me permission. I'm a creator. Yeah. That was Hollywood actor and producer Marietta Melrose talking about how persistence and grit helped her to keep going in the face of constant rejection in the ultra competitive world of the audition room. Hear more of that conversation in episode two of The Unlock Moment. The last of the six Ps is partnering. Partnering is about having a great support network around you. They might be your friends, your family, a mentor or a coach. Who are the people you turn to when you need advice or support? Who are the people who help you feel comfortable and confident in the decisions you make? When you're dealing with a challenge at work, who do you chat through the problem with? When something's getting you down, who do you call on? Who could you call on that you might not have considered? H.E. Luckock, Methodist minister, said, No one can whistle a symphony. It takes a whole orchestra to play it. In episode 28, first-time CEO Steve Woolcock talked about the value of building a team of people around him to enable him to survive and thrive in his first year in the top role. Just bringing, uh, having a, 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 a diversity um, of skills uh, and, and expertise. It's like, because where, where I find it really works is, is where I've got somewhere to go um, for, um, you know, to have a, like a, a board of consultants I can, I can call on who will then get engaged. So, so they'll, they'll bring that skill base um, and uh, to to a challenge we're facing, or an area we want to, a direction of travel that we want to go in, um, and um, and really just embrace it. And and they're extremely busy, uh, and that's you know that that works. They they can come and do a, a piece of work uh, and advise, and then and then just review what we're doing and stay in touch as well. So it, 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 they can come in for a while maybe, and then step back while we get on and do it. That that has been really um, really helpful. So I think it's very much you know get heavily involved in in, in uh, saying what you need from a board and then recruiting against that. So you know, actually we need, we need people, you know, experts in IT, experts in HR, you know, experts in fundraising or, or whatever those things are. 
um, so that you can see them as a you know a, a partnership, but are also you know a, people to come in and really help and really get alongside and engage with the team when you get you know when you get that trustees and and the the, the team on, on site delivering together. Now we can um, post pandemic, you know that's um, that can be dynamite as well. But you also need to be quite honest about what you need and what you don't need. Mm-hmm. Um, um, what is it about the team around you and the executive team? that has enabled you to be most effective as chief executive, do you think? Um, I think I think it's just enthusiasm, to be honest. I really, there are days, you know, everyone says, oh, chief executive roles can be very lonely. And I, I'm not sure really, they, it, it can be at times, but, you know, um, having, having you know, just people around you who are very enthusiastic uh, and really passionate about the organisation and, and really supportive and, and it'll tap you on the shoulder and go, how's it really going? You know, and that kind of thing just is is really useful. And what what can we do to help is a, is a question that comes up a lot. And and just being honest about, you know, what that what that looks like. Um, I think as well, just in terms of, you know, any, anybody considering a chief exec role is, um, uh, you know, do uh, you do get some people around you externally. I found your coaching go really helpful. Um, but also talking to, um, you know, having uh, there's, a, there's a couple of other chief execs I've, I've linked up with. Um, and we meet, uh, you know, we, we meet up for breakfast, we meet up for coffee occasionally. Um, but just having that really safe space for somebody who doesn't really understand your organisation, but does understand the role um, is, is you know, hugely beneficial. And, um, and and it is, you end up, you know, you just talk about the challenges and, yeah, and, 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 and uh, you know, can give you advice. Um, and, uh, and also you can be there at crisis point, um, you know, when, when it's really not working for them. Um, and, uh, and they've got somewhere to go outside of their organisation, and, and that's you know away from their board and their team, etc. It's a safe place, and that's you do need that. You really do need that. The strengths uh, strengths coach that I've worked closely with called Dana Williams, who did one of the early episodes, the Unlock Moment. If you listen to that episode, she talks about um, the value of a personal advisory board and how you pick the people to be on your personal advisory board. And I thought that was very helpful to the way it's constructed. Her former role was as marketing director of Southwest Airlines in the US. So she's, again, got that mix of sort of corporate, real-life corporate experience and also coaching experience. Um, And then I did another interview with uh, another coach that I worked closely with called Dolly Waddell, whose advisory board is her children aged between 5 and 13. And she's actually contracted them. So there are real contracts they've actually signed and they have board meetings and they talk about topics and then they give their advice. So it, 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 can, it can happen in many, many different ways. That's an extract from my conversation with charity CEO, Steve Wilcock, talking about the power of partnering. Hear more of that conversation in episode 28 of The Unlock Moment. Let's complete an exercise exploring how you can strengthen your resilience using each of the six P's. With the scoring, remember that moving from a two to a three is just as good as moving from an eight to a nine. It's all about forward momentum, one step at a time. Positivity. Think about this statement. I'm a fairly upbeat person who generally sees life positively and optimistically. When faced with a challenging situation, I usually find something positive and build on that. On a scale of 1 to 10, how true is this statement for you? Is this higher or lower than where you were one year ago? And what's one thing that you could do differently to improve this score by one point? Problem solving. Think about this statement. I don't think I'm a natural grumbler. When faced with a challenging situation, I switch my thinking quickly to what can be done about it. On a scale of 1 to 10, how true is the statement for you? Is this higher or lower than where you were one year ago? And what's one thing you could do differently to improve this score by one point? Perspective. Think about this statement. I think of myself as a fairly level-headed person. When faced with a challenging situation, I'm good at keeping things in perspective. On a scale of 1 to 10, how true is the statement for you? Is this higher or lower than where you were one year ago? And what's one thing you could do differently to improve this score by one point? Personality. Think about this statement. I rarely let my emotions get the better of me. 
when faced with a challenging situation, I am conscious of my thoughts and emotions, what they are, how and why they come about. And as a result, I understand how to bring them under control. On a scale of 1 to 10, how true is this statement for you? Is this higher or lower than where you were one year ago? And what's one thing you could do differently to improve this score by one point? Persistence. Think about this statement. I am persistent, but I also know my limits. When faced with a challenging situation, I keep going even when it's tough, but I also know when to take a break. On a scale of 1 to 10, how true is the statement for you? Is this higher or lower than where you were one year ago? And what's one thing you could do differently to improve this score by one point? Partnering. Think about this statement. I am confident of my own abilities, but I know when to seek help and where to go when I need it. On a scale of 1 to 10, how true is this statement for you? Is this higher or lower than where you were one year ago? And what's one thing you could do differently to improve this score by one point? So there you go. In a world that's constantly changing and with unprecedented challenges that we're all struggling to deal with, mental resilience is such an important thing. Hopefully you've picked up some ideas that you can turn into action today and you can work on the steps you need to become even more resilient in the future. Let's finish with one more clip. In episode 30 of The Unlock Moment, emerging stars of the dance world, Anthony and Kel Matsena, talked about their remarkable story, Refugees from Zimbabwe, their experience of extraordinary personal tragedy, and emerging as celebrated dancers and choreographers whose work is receiving rave reviews. In this powerful extract, Anthony reflects back on what he'd say to his younger self about the journey he's found himself on. Anthony, if you were ported back in time to talk to your younger self, what would you say? Uh, I would put a shoulder around him and give him a little knuckle scratch on the head and say, hey, knucklehead, uh, stop, stop being so uh, stubborn at times. Uh, but no, seriously, um, yeah, I think uh, my younger, younger years, I was in such a, a loving environment that I never felt. Uh, I always felt like I could try anything. Even if I wasn't good at it, I would just give it a go. Um, and because the stakes had gone up so high when we moved and I was about to move, felt like whatever choice I had to make had to be the right choice. Uh, so often getting, getting in my way before I've even had the chance to experience something, uh, I would tell that person that, look, you always want to have the option to say no because you've tried it. Um, you know, if something intrigues you in any kind of way, go and find out why. Um, if it feels unrelated to what you're doing or your journey, it's, it's there's probably some sort of thread that's going to help you excel in the journey that you're on right now. So go out there and just give it a go. Give it a go. And remember that song you used to sing to yourself when you were much younger, when things would go terrible. Tony, don't worry about a thing. Yeah. Because <laughs> every little thing is going to be all right. <laughs> um, and yeah as a kid I would sing that to myself when I would get really mad or get sad uh, but I would say just always give yourself the option and know that no matter how how dire and how nasty or how um, how dark a hole you find yourself in um, know that you you make you make your way out of it not because you're brilliant and you're doing it by yourself, but because of the people around you, trust in them, uh, ask for help, uh, uh, ask them to lend you a hand and, uh, you know, they'll come to your saving. And remember the last thing that uh, the traumatized are unpredictable because they know they can survive and you are unpredictable because you know you can survive and never forget that. That was renowned choreographer Anthony Matzena reflecting on keeping going through the tough times 
to find his path and achieve his goals. Hear more of that conversation in episode 30 of The Unlock Moment, and do go and explore all the other interviews with my fascinating guests. This has been a Master Locksmith Masterclass here on The Unlock Moment. I'm Dr. Gary Crotez, and do listen in again soon. If you found this episode useful, do share it with your friends and leave a review. And subscribe to the Unlock Moment podcast to be the first to hear about new content. Thanks for listening and tune in again soon.